We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trying not to score everything with about 30, 33s or something. Yeah, I mean, we kind of felt that. We kind of feed off that energy. This place is amazing. Like, I, I really love, I really love Duke and I love I'm from in here. Mark Williams, beast mode. Paolo, first half, he had the cramping stuff. Fair enough. Beast mode. We back. We back. We back. Yes, yes. How to get the screen, man? I'm, I'm struggling today. It's been a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, crazy cast. I don't even know how to start this anymore. Where how do we start the crazy cast? <laughs> Um, you know, check, check out house. my home field apparel shirt. Oh yeah, the go new get Duke it. drop. Right, go check this it. out. Look at this. This go is old. Drop. This is from Duke, 1978, 1979. That's when Ryan's memes are from. So you know, uh, yeah. you got to use the code Crazy C R A Z I E get a discount for this new Duke drop. It's great. Everything's awesome. You guys are and funny. For, and for the everybody else watching, the UConn fans, UNC fans, you can use that code too. Get yeah. some free stuff for yourself, man. You know, it's all good. It's all good. Everybody wins. Um, but yeah, we're back. It's been it's been what like two, three weeks. Yeah, you know, you know, everyone traveling, Ryan just you know, uh hunting Russ and Phoenix and stuff. Um <laughs> but we're back, we're back. Um, big win, man. Duke is starting to click. Duke is starting to click. Um what is that? Let me do the math. 29, that's 29. Yeah, that's 29. 29 point win today. Um, on the road at Miami, a little a reversal of last year. Like last year, we lost by 22. So, hey, man, that's that five, six in a row. That's five in a row, baby. Five in a row, man. How y'all feeling, man? Ryan, we'll start us off. It's just nice to, like, as of tonight, it's just nice to have a comfortable road win for one. I don't want to say for once, but it feels like it's been a long time since Duke's gone on the road against any ACC opponent and just handled business. So, uh, great to see. I, the one thing I want to call out is guard play tonight. I feel like that was uh, above what we've seen recently outside of uh, a McCain and Roach game. Foster contributed. Proctor looked okay. And so um, just a fun game to watch from basically start to finish. They went on that, was it like 13 or 15-0 run in the first half and really never looked back. And um, obviously – Miami down a couple of players, just kind of a game where you have to go in and just keep the pedal to the metal. And they, they did that. And it seemed like this season, they haven't done that a lot and keeping that foot on the gas. And they did, they never let Miami really get back into contention. So 
uh, a great sign. And uh, I'm great. I'm a happy fan watching this team go 2-0 on this road trip so far. The biggest test coming on Saturday. And I just don't think this team had every reason to look past Miami down pack. And I don't – Cleveland was out too, right? I don't think he – did he end up playing? No. Yeah. Okay. No, he was out. I didn't have sound on, so wasn't able to see, hear that. But to, to go into a shorthand Miami team could have – could have let it get to you and look past to, to Saturday at Wake, and they didn't at all. And so um, just from a fan standpoint, happy they took care of business, a, a stress-free win. And I feel like a couple of guys might have gotten a little bit of confidence back. So um, I'm all for that and a big W today. Go ahead, Russ. What's your feeling? Yeah, I mean, uh, fifth win in a row, f- I think fifth cover in a row, if I'm not mistaken, too, which That's is nice. Right. I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty easy to, like, dismiss – uh, a lot of what we've accomplished, you know, recently in terms of three of the five teams we played were bad. Uh, in fact, I'd say four of the five teams were bad. Uh, and then Wake Forest obviously didn't have Efton Reed for like the whole game, although that was because of Duke's play in large part. But there are like circumstances where you can go, well, yeah, Duke's supposed to go 5-0. and But that said, it's harder to actually do the thing that you're supposed to do then like it's easier said than done right like winning is everything and duke is winning and duke is winning to expectation or better uh you you can't ask for much better than that um especially today look i <laughs> miami is down two starters right and i saw i i still see on my feed all the time people say oh well the duke lost to pit duke was down two starters it's like that game doesn't even count right well, Miami is way worse than Duke, and Miami was down two starters. So Duke is supposed to win sizably. So it's great to see that we actually did. Uh, you absolutely love to see that. And, I mean, winning games all in a row, even if, like, there were frustration stretches in some of the previous games, a few frustration performances in some of the previous games, winning cures a lot. <laughs> like, winning helps build. Uh, even right. if not perfect winning is good (laughs) that's my hot take here is that winning is good so all of the individual performances here i mean you can go down the line i'm sure we'll talk about some of them as we go but like more important than anything else as ryan said we needed to win two out of three of this road stretch like that was non-negotiable we've already done that going into the hardest game on saturday uh and that's just really awesome to see that makes me feel really good as a big fan yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head with um, winning cures all. I know a lot of people, kind of kind of what I, I think tweeted a couple games ago, um, it doesn't matter how you win, just continue to stack wins. Because the more you continue to stack wins, the more you build chemistry, the more confidence you have. And if you're not, if you're winning those games while playing ugly basketball, when you do start to click, it might get scary like tonight. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people were too critical of, you know, us winning by a couple points or us winning ugly, um, during this stretch when, you know, all that matters is the W at the end of the day. And, you know, they're, they're stacking wins right now. They're building confidence. You know, they could have easy, like I think Ryan said, easy let up tonight. You know, it's at Miami. We typically play horribly at Miami and, you know, <laughs> two starters were out. They pounded them from start to finish, like wire to wire win. Um, and I think, you know, biggest thing, my biggest takeaway for me tonight was the guard play. You know, 
I'm still, I'm still, obviously people may say UConn, I know Rob may be watching. Um, he may see, he may <laughs> say UConn has the best guards in the country, but I think when we're playing our best, like when our guards are all peaking at the same time, there's nobody has better, better guard group in the country. Like, I, I just don't think so. Especially when you have at this point, Tyrese Proctor or Caleb Foster off the bench. We'll talk about that later uh, with that situation. But, um, I just feel like you know, our, we have the best guards in America when they're when they're all on, and you know you can't beat Duke when when the guard play is is playing as well as they did tonight. Um, so, you know, that was my biggest takeaway for tonight. Um, yeah, and I I think like looking at this team and like I, there's been some negativity around it, and I feel like do like there hasn't been many of these blow wins, and I, I don't expect them to win by thirty every single night, but like a little bit more handedly would be fine by me, but. Uh, if you would have told us that with two games to go in February, we would be 21 and five, I feel like the majority of Duke fans would be like, deal. I think I'm in for that. And so I, I think it's always been with us, just like the way that they've won and or just the way that they've played has always looked a little bit disconcerting. So like seeing them come out tonight, doing what they have um, makes me optimistic as well. Uh, also, I, I would never have bet that Tyrese Proctor would have tied for the lead with us tonight and shots taken, like shooting Tyrese oh, Proctor wow. with a concussion, maybe not even sure he was going to play, and he comes off the bench and takes nine shots and um, was was decent at it and had a decent overall game. Like, can't say I would have expected that. So that's a, a promising thing, and I think it kind of gets back to Zion. The point that I – the question I feel like you were going to ask and we're going to wait a little bit is, is Tyrese better coming off the bench going forward, or do we bring him back into the starting lineup and – um, put Foster back to the bench. I, I don't, oh. I don't know if I have the answer I'm, for it. But. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that conversation yet. Let's hold off on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look at that shot distribution. I mean, you just brought up that the leading shots taken tonight was a guy who took nine shots. I mean, like that is yeah. that's beautiful basketball, man. Like I can't see from here the assists uh, to shots made ratio but it's got to be it's high 19 to 28. 28 i mean that's uh, exceptional right yeah. that's really really good and i'm sure some of that was just like taking the foot off of the gas there at the end i uh, look i think that it, both of you have mentioned like the discourse i think that like the discourse has just been weird and i, I wanted to like tweet i tweeted a little bit about it today duke I had very high expectations coming in, right? In particular, two of our players were expected to be All-Americans, and two of those players have had some difficult games, especially in ACC play. And we've had some let-up spots and some spots where we've sort of won ugly, as Zion said. I, I think that it's – I think that, like, people need to realize that it's okay to be critical. I think being critical is completely fair and, and wondering – what uh, some of the potential downfalls going forward could be based on the play that we have witnessed. I think that's also completely fair. It's really just like the people who say Flip sucks, Proctor sucks, Shire sucks, the team sucks, right? Like those people need to just <laughs> get lost. And then I I also, I, I, I love the positivity, but also the people who say, you know, ha ha, jokes on you all for you know being concerned when we were four and two in ACC play with two quad three losses you know like <laughs> how dare how dare you ever be critical you know like I don't think that's useful for the discourse either right like I'd like to think that this podcast falls nicely in the middle 
where we never say that the players suck or do ad hominem attacks or, or say anything judgmental in particular about the players, just about the play in particular games. Yeah. But, but we also clearly love the team and we want the team to be its best version of itself and, and what have you. I think like, I just wish the discourse would find like a happy medium in between the like, never be negative ever. And yeah. the, no one should ever be positive because we get accused. I, I tweeted this today. We get accused all the time in one episode. Someone will tweet that <laughs> that you guys are never critical of the team. And then somebody else will say, why are you always so negative? Like yo, in the same episode. Oh, oh my God. Let me, let me piggyback off that too. Cause like I've seen the tweets like, and me, like people realize I'm very much like I've said this on this, this show so many times. I do not have emotion watching Duke at all. Like I'm literally, I will watch Duke. Jeremy McCain hits a clutch three. I'm sitting here like this. Kyle Filipowski turnover. I'm sitting here like this. I've been trained in my just life, just working in media. I don't have much reaction, like just naturally. So like people say, oh, you're tweeting with emotion or you guys are so negative on the show. Trust me, there's no personal agendas. There's no anything like we're just talking about what we see with no <laughs> with no emotion involved. We're just basically telling you how we feel about the game. Yeah, what you we know, see. So. And and I watch with tremendous emotion. My na- I'm lucky yeah. my neighbors are are nice. Because <laughs> like when when Roach kept making those threes like they were uncontested layups, I was hooting and hollering and dancing around my living room, man. I was so loud. I was I was having a blast. You know, nobody, nobody pounded on the, uh, the door being like, Hey, shut up in there. Um, but, yeah. but when we talk about the play, even though I know emotion gets the best of me sometimes, but I, I, I don't think you will find any clip of me ever saying this player or this player X and making a judgment on the player. If anything, I defend the players all the time because playing basketball is really hard. It's just sometimes you have to acknowledge when play isn't going well. Like you, you just and and you have to wonder how can it get better, right? That's what good discourse is. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that into the mix, especially on a day like today, where Duke looked brilliant and they performed brilliantly. Job's not finished. What isn't that the Kobe quote? Like job's not finished, right? Like it was it was a team down two starters. We did what we were supposed to do. Excellent. That's exactly what we need. Build on it. Show us again on Saturday. I think you had said before we started the podcast, uh, Zion, that that Saturday is really where we're going to see where the rubber hits the road with this team, I think, because this is a Wake Forest team that's very hot. They've never lost a game this season at home. They are beating ACC teams at home. I I don't have the number in front of me, but it's got to be by like an average of 15 points or more. Like they are really scorching hot at home. So if Duke can go in there, we're the best team that will have played them at home because UNC dodged playing Wake at home somehow that that'll prove a lot. I think that'll prove a great deal about where we are today. Yeah. Sure. You, you couldn't ask for a better warm game for it too. And if you would have told me that going into this game, that McCain would go one of six from three with seven points and we'd still win by, we'd win by 29. I would have said no way after the way he's been playing. And just like you, like you alluded to Russ with the uh, evened out scoring across the board there, just in the, especially in the starting lineup is just beautiful. Love to see it. And, uh, yeah, coming into uh, this Wake Forest game, this is what we needed. Um, Zion, you want to tackle that one? Oh, what, the John Henson one? Yeah. I think 
Hey, we got to get John Hazard on the show for one. Uh, we we will yeah. make that happen at least at least once. Um, Maybe for yeah, the next UNC game. Yeah, yeah, we'll try that. I'm sorry, uh, Russ. Uh, we got to tell Riley they're benched. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, just I, I think it's corny. The Jeremy McCain discourse online is it's just very corny to me. It's always been corny. You could go back to my tweets before the season. Um, it's like if you're not talking about basketball with that kid, then just don't say anything at this point. Like, because the kid is one of the best players in the country. In my, in my opinion, I think he's a national freshman of the year um, with how he's played of late. Um, and yeah, I just think it's corny to bring him nails and TikToks and and whatnot. It don't matter because if he's doing whatever, dancing, if he's twerking on TikTok. Who cares? If he's dropping 35 points the next game, that's the conversation. So, you know, I just think all that discourse is corny. And it was just seeing that from seeing that from John was kind of lame because it's like, yo, you you're a former player, bro. You you're you're better than that. You know, you've been in these games. So let's talk basketball then the narratives. It's it's worse than corny. I mean, it's just the it's the worst kind of toxic masculinity, is what it is. Because like if if it was something that wasn't dancing and painting nails. He wouldn't have a problem with it, right? Nobody has a problem when like guys are tweeting like you know in in typical fashion, right? Or doing interviews or doing whatever. But the second it's talking about painting nails and like dancing on a camera, then there are dudes who are like, "Oh, this shit is it's toxic masculinity 101," and I think it's gross. I think it's disgusting, frankly. I think it's disgusting discourse. And you should be a better person than that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to even get get that energy tonight because uh, we won by thirty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, moving forward to this game. Um, besides, I guess uh, who, who have we talked about? I guess no, we haven't talked about anybody. Hey, talk about Jeremy Roach. No, I want to talk about Martin Mitchell. Martin. Oh, Mitchell. we can talk about Mark Mitchell too. Number one, Mark Mitchell shooting 47% from deep in ACC play, as we all predicted. We all predicted this, even though it is a low volume, you know. Um, I think he doesn't get enough credit because I tweeted it during the game. I think he's our best defender still. Um, I know, you know, you might say Flip is the most important, but I still think Mark He's not. Mark, it's Mitchell for sure. Yeah, Mark Mitchell um, is our best defender. I think he's deserving of all ACC um, defensive team. I thought he should have made it last year. Uh, but if you look at his numbers in ACC play, he actually has an argument to be all ACC too. So um, I think Mitchell has kind of flown on the right radar um, of late. And, you know, he's kind of been our most consistent. Yo, 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 I have tweets. I have tweets of me saying for the listeners that this guy says Zion is a liar for saying he believed in Mark. I literally said it on this show many times that I still have faith in Mark, regardless of how bad he's shooting. Like, Here's the fun fact. You want a fun fact is that Mark Mitchell of our starting lineup shoots uh, has the best shooting percentage this season of our entire starting lineup, and it's by five, almost six percent. Field goal percentage. Field goal percentage. He is in the starting lineup. He is has the best field goal percentage. The only non-starter you can't count Christian Reeves. He's had three games, but the only non-starter that shoots better than him is Ryan Young at fifty-nine percent. Mark is fifty-four percent. So. Uh, and it's obviously you could look at a shot chart and, and Mark Mitchell's points are going to come from around the basket, but it is, you give March the ball, you give Mark the ball somewhere around the post and 
more times than not, because it's over 50%, Mark's going to score the ball. Tonight I wanted to tweet it out. I was with the buddy. Couldn't get on my phone to tweet stuff. But, like, Mark in the first half was nuts. You gave him the ball and he was going to score. He had our – I think it was, like, uh, 10 of our first 15 or some, something around that area of points. And so he's kind of been that way since the beginning of the season. He had a, a dry stretch at the beginning of the season. His three, three ball wasn't falling. Um, but I would say around since the new year, Mark has been a dog with the ball in his hands, making plays down low. And what Mark is very good at, and people might disagree with this, that I, I think he he could be bad at, but he's very good at, is avoiding fouls when he's driving the ball. He is very good at avoiding defenders and not taking or not drawing charges. He's good at getting around guys, whether he gets fouled or not. He is not just driving in at guys with his shoulder down. He does a lot of euro stepping and just getting around defenders. And so. Um, Late game situation, Mark Mitchell is kind of the number that you might need to call to get a bucket because he just gets to the rim at will and he gets fouled a lot of the time. So I, I love the way he's playing and, and hope it continues because that's a big key into March if you have a guy like that at 6'9 who can do that um, big time for sure. The rebounding has been game changing. I mean, like uh, when we can get second chances because of Mark, uh, it's colossal. I mean, like there's, I, I think it's Connor O'Neill on Twitter who has pointed out that Duke's record when Mark Mitchell scores 10 points or more uh, is something like a 29 and three or 30 and three over the two years that he's been here. Yeah. It's, something, it's something huge because when he is on, the team is on, generally speaking. Uh, and also, I think coming into this game, he had gotten like maybe three of the last four uh, game MVPs from Ken Palm. I mean, like he's just for this win streak that we have had, he has been enormous. He's been enormous all year. And, you know, I, I think he is the best defender on the team. I agree with you, Zion. I think he's got to be a first team all ACC defensive player. Uh, do you know per CBB analytics who the most impactful uh, defensive player on the team is so far in ACC play? My numbers. <laughs> By uh, by net rating, by how good the opponent's offense is when this player is on the court versus when this player is off the court, who is the most impactful it, Duke it, defender in ACC play? It's I, I feel like it's about to be something weird, so I'm just I'm just gonna say Jeremy Roach. That's exactly who it is. It's Jeremy. Roach. Hey, Zion, Zion, well done, well it's done. It's Jeremy oh, Roach by a good amount, and he's 99th percentile in the country in that respect. I I. I think we got to talk. I wanted to segue because we got to talk Jeremy Roach. Uh, you know, I said a few weeks, maybe a month ish and change ago on the podcast that I thought he needed to be in consideration for first team all ACC the way he had been playing. I still feel that way. Uh, I don't know whether he'll get it. Just the raw counting stats are going to maybe benefit some other guys, but the efficiency is insane. Uh, the defensive impact, even though he's not the best one-on-one -on -one defender, what he is is he's smart. He's basically never out of position. He works hard. He's very active with his hands. Sometimes players can shoot over him because of the size, but it, very rarely is he just going to be watching the ball. And I think one of the big reasons why he's so impactful on the defensive end is because when he's not on the floor, he then the – team basically has two freshmen and Proctor out there, right? And so then the defensive uh, efficiency of the team is going to dip considerably as a result of that, right? So, in uh, the offense, I mean, I, I was just about to pull up what his shooting numbers are for the season. Yeah, he's shooting 46% from three. Sheesh. On the season, on, on notable volume, that is 19th in the country. He's shooting 47.4% from three, 
in ACC play. Uh, I, what? You know, how do you have, like uh, Zion? I think you had brought up. You know, you feel just as good about Jeremy Roach making a three as Quinn Cook in 2015. I feel better about Jeremy Roach today if he keeps shooting this way because when he is off the catch, he he basically doesn't miss. Like he he so rarely misses when he is taking threes off the catch. It's like a layup. It's unbelievable. It goes it, it goes back to my point that uh, you know apparently I'm, I'm looking at buckets by Bagley. Um, and all these, uh, someone else did it too. Apparently, that I jinxed Duke when I said they were a very good shooting team. <laughs> kind of did for a little bit, for a little that, bit, but look what they've shot the last two games. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they're they are 19th right before coming into this game, they were 19th in the country in, in three point percentage, second in the ACC. Probably got a boost this game to probably go up to 15 14. Uh, this team's a very good shooting team. I don't care what anybody says about jinx. I'm jinxing them, whatever. We have plenty of shooters that can shoot the ball. That was already known coming into the season. Now we're kind of seeing it. Jeremy Rose has kind of made himself an elite shooter. We already know what McCain brings to the table. Um, and then when you have a big like Flip who can shoot, what was Flip was Flip shot two threes tonight, didn't he? He was. A, he made he made two threes. Two for three. Two or three. Two for three. You have a seven footer that could do that. Hey, how, about that, how about that dunk, that around-the-corner dunk? That was amazing. That was Caleb, oh, Caleb yeah. Foster is making 45.7% from three in ACC play, 40% on the season from three. Even Tyrese Proctor on volume is shooting about 36% from three in ACC play. Good. You know, um, he definitely made at least one today. Uh, obviously, we talked about Mark Mitchell – uh, you know, Flip has struggled some in ACC play, but even him, 36.5% from three in ACC play. I mean, like, he's you still have to account for him. He's not like you, you can't yeah. just leave him alone out there or he will make them. So, yeah, and I yeah mean, everybody we, can make them now that Mark can make them. Everybody can make them. It's great. We play, we play four guards 25 minutes plus a game. And for the season, three of them are shooting 38% or better. And like you said, Proctor is the least with 35%. And that shot is still there. It's not a guy you can just leave out there as well. So like, and, and what do we always say about March Zion guards, guards, guards win in March. And so that's the nice thing is that McCain can have a one of six night, but you still got Foster and Proctor there as a threat. And, and that you can, uh, you can't take out of the equation when it comes to defense. So um, just the fact that these guards could potentially be clear. And I get it. It's Miami, but they played well against against Florida State, especially McCain. So you can have a guard or two have an off night and you still have two other ones. Not many teams in the country, if any at all, can say that they have that in, in their back pocket. So uh, huge coming into the, the end of the season here. I think I think it, I think just tonight this team kind of proves to a degree that I don't think you could you can never have enough guards. You know, I feel like at points you could. You could have enough front court players, you know. Um, sometimes the wing does get a little clogged if someone can't play the four as well. But guard play, if you stack your yeah. team with guards, you could have an endless, endless amount of guards and still be successful. Shire's got a great recruiting pitch going forward, man. If he need if if he needs one uh, for guard play, is that hey, look at look at this team. We had four guards, two of which are freshmen playing twenty five minutes plus a game. You want to come to Duke and take take on minutes at the guard position? You come here, man. So uh, yeah, just awesome all around for that. We'll have we'll have space next year. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
well, fortunately and unfortunately. Ho hopefully, a, a big emphasis, unfortunately, but. <laughs> Uh, I I guess since you say that you did y'all do y'all want to talk about the McCain noise the the first round um yeah because people are certain people are co fully convinced that McCain is a lock to walk can can we all just preface this conversation real quick uh by saying that I and Zion you can correct me if I'm wrong I don't think any of us have any inside information on McCain's status I, I don't think that's been leaked by anybody or anything yet so that fair enough this is all speculation. I, for the ish. Most part. ish. Sorry, I forgot. Oh, Russ, 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 Russ got sources. Insider Russ. Insider Russ, man. Insider Russ hears hears things from somebody who who I trust. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just everything can change with how the next month goes. Right. But yeah. like, I would be shocked. I would be really, really surprised if McCain was not at least at this stage in the game planning on testing the waters in the draft. I'd be yeah. really surprised if that was not the case. Um, you know, I, I do think that more or less everywhere he's got 
first round grade and like not like 28th or whatever like the people who are legit have him as a, a very solid first rounder uh, look i think there are reasons for him to come back uh i think that we could sort of dive into those in great detail if we wanted to i think it's a very interesting conversation for a player like mccain but i do sort of think uh I, from what from what I understand, he is at least planning on if all goes well, uh, trying it out. That's what I hear, and and I don't know. Uh, and my source doesn't know whether that's like concrete, whether he's like definitely gone. Like I agree that I don't think anybody knows that. Yeah, but I think I think he's gonna strongly consider it. I think he's going to strongly consider it. I don't think it's going to be like a, the second the season's over, he's like, I'm back. I I love that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope my guy is wrong, but I think he'll at least, uh, he'll at least have the conversations. That'd be my guess. He's got no reason not to, right? I mean, yeah. at this point, everybody has a reason to go test the waters, but with McCain, like you can see it and you can see the translation just from from college to NBA with his with his hustle, his off the ball movement, just a, a, every intangible that he brings to the table, and obviously the shot uh, is great as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think with this draft class and where Jared is currently slotted at, there's no reason why Duke fans should get their hopes of him coming back next season. My one question is, and this might be stupid as somebody who watches Duke as much as I do, but I and I don't think he's going to, but Roach can come back one more year with the COVID year, can he not? Yeah. technically I don't think he's going to and I think I've heard that it's off it might even be off the table but like he technically could <laughs> he, he, he could he'd be four years older than the average player on next year's team hey so man I would love it I would love it I'm not expecting it I would love it but, if, but, if, but, if but, I'm but, Roach and I'm looking at like my options you're not you, Sorry, you're not getting drafted this year. You're not going to get drafted next year. NIL is a thing. Uh, playing with guys like Cooper Flag uh, is not bad for your NIL and your image. And you're still playing at Duke as a fifth year guard. Like, I don't mean to make this podcast into convincing Jeremy Rocha to come back, but like, ain't a bad gig, man. Like, and and you won't get the hate for me coming in next year because I already tried that and it didn't work out for me. So I will be the biggest Jeremy Roach fan coming in the next season if that's the case. Uh, but before before Roach, I. Even from for me on McCain, I think my biggest thing was yes, Brandon. That, um, I don't think necessarily that he's a lock to go. I do think if I had to put money on it, that McCain would be a lock to go. But no, McCain would would go. But I don't think he's a lock at this point, just because I feel like there's still a lot of variables um, just to show in the on the NBA level. Number one, he hasn't played the point guard position at Duke, um, which will have to play. Thing. Yeah, he'll have to play on the next level because, I mean, he's, he's still 6'2", 6'3". You know, and there's not many guards. I don't think there's any guards. Maybe maybe the closest guard to his size is Malik Monk, but Malik Monk is a freak athlete. So, yeah, you know, yeah. um, he can get away with that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I would bet that he's gone if I had to bet. But um, for Roach, why not, man? Why not? Why not, you know? Yeah, I my biggest thing, and again, according to what I hear, and I also think this just goes down to common sense too. Like, I don't, I think that a lot of people are looking at this Duke team 
and projecting the next year and going, well, if you're not a first rounder, there's NIL. You're obviously coming back. And I don't think that's always the case for everybody. I think that players have, just like before NIL, players have reason, a variety of reasons why they may want to go or may want to stay. They have ideas in their head about, you know, they are ready to move to the next chapter of their lives or they, or like flip last year, they want to continue their college experience and be able to, you know, develop more in school rather than trying to, you know, uh, it can be very hard if you end up G leagued at any point and you're not quite ready to contribute. As I tweeted before, we've seen a lot of late to mid first rounders, just like not get a second contract or get min contracts because they just weren't ready right away. Right. That, that can be really hard. So if you dig college, then staying makes a lot of sense, especially now with NIL, but some dudes also are just ready to go. So I don't think that people should be looking at this roster from what I understand and thinking, Oh, if they're not a first rounder, they'll be back. I don't think that's necessarily the case in the same way that I don't know that it's necessarily the case that a guy who seems like a first rounder is like definitely a hundred percent gone. I think there are other factors for all of these human beings beyond mere draft position. Right. hundred percent. But yeah, we don't don't need to turn it full NBA drafts. Still still got plenty of basketball left for sure. Um, I guess, I guess one guy we haven't talked about, I guess a lot of people probably say we should talk, be talking about him. John Shire, man. It's been a it's been a nice turnaround, at least from what we've seen early in the season. Um, what are your thoughts on John? Somebody made a comment earlier, and uh, and I, uh, somebody made a legit comment in our show about how Shire is willing to take early season L's for late season success, and um, in year two, that kind of is uh, I don't want to call it a trend, but it has kind of been what has happened. Um, last year, you could say, well, Lively got caught up and, and he made progression and that helped a lot this year. Scheduling might be a factor in that as well. Um, I, I don't have much when you win games, it's hard to question the coach. I mean, it's really tough to be like, I think we should be doing this instead because it's like, well, we're winning. So why would we change it? And so uh, with injuries that we've had um, and the schedule that we've had there's been I have no complaints really in with with Shire I think there's been a couple times in how we use flip that uh could be changed around uh post UNC game we talked a lot about how he was um utilizing that game already but uh I think getting more action for Mark and McCain is isn't going to hurt us at all and I think somebody else commented earlier in the show that when we try to force feed flip the ball it, it's not always great he's I'm still fine with getting the ball in the low post but maybe not as much on the outside and I think if you substitute flips touches on the outside with marks touches on the outside better things are going to happen so um yeah i am uh, no complaints right now but the schedule helps and they're winning games and so uh it's just it's i think guys are being utilized in ways they should be and so i'm I'm all for it yeah schedule definitely helps uh you know acc helps in general i think that uh you know there was that one comment that we had him on the hot seat months ago i don't think that is what we said if you go back and watch the tape we said if this season ends a certain way and if it continues to trend in a certain direction then the leash is shorter than maybe what people would think because of the current state of how duke is a big blue blood program compared to when k got here 
with the talent with the talent they had. Yeah. Yeah. We were we were definitely criticizing some of the lack of noticeable adjustments or uh you know offensive play calls that seem to be happening. That is true. Um I also think that like the idea that we would trade early season L's for late season W's makes sense if he's getting those L's because he's playing a deep bench. Yeah, I, did, <laughs> I didn't like that comment. I didn't like that comment. I think that comment is dicey. I don't think that like I don't think that let's put it this way. I don't think John would go to a presser and go like, "Well, clearly we lost to Georgia Tech, so that would we would be better later." You know, like I just, yeah. I don't think that that's the case. Uh, it's more so know, figuring things out and adjust, making adjustments throughout the year. I do think that because he is a young coach and because his players, even though he was returning four starters, outside of Jeremy Roach, this is still a very young team. Like compared to the national average, this is a young team. So uh, and Flip sat all summer, right? And and Mitchell had had some injuries, and then Proctor had injuries in the season, and what have you, like. There's there's been some factors in there. I don't think that those factors necessarily excuse like the one on one that we saw sometimes on on offense, uh, the stagnant lack of ball movement away from uh, the action that we saw at times. Some people will say that was the players. Uh, some people will say the coach can tell the players, hey, stop doing that and run some plays. Uh, I think there's a lot of discourse to be had there. Um, but you know, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, winning cures all ills. I mean, like yeah. if you're winning games, none of that matters. Uh, but you know, I, I think for everybody who is saying like, oh, you all oh, y'all were, ah, ha, ha, y'all were like joning on Shire or whatever. We have five games left, right? The season still has to end strong. You know, I I think we set the benchmark early of like this season needs to be better than last season, right? We need to go into the tournament with a higher seed and a better record than we had last season. We thought that was a nice benchmark of expectation, even given the Georgia Tech loss and what have you. Obviously, we weren't going to get a one seed, you know, so like what's a reasonable expectation? I think a reasonable expectation is to be better than the previous year. So like going four and one, or an absolute worst three and two in these last five games, I think is really, really necessary. <laughs> super, super necessary. And if he does, and if he does that, then great. You know, again, winning right. cures all ills. And if he doesn't do that, I'm sure the same people who are on Twitter going talking wild about the man are gonna keep talking wild about the man. I think there's a nice middle ground, as we talked about earlier, in terms of the discourse of what it means to have a young coach and how he develops. Right. Yeah. I definitely I, I gotta credit him because he's been more um open to number one playing his bench, uh, specifically Sean Stewart. Um, well and today in particular, when we yeah. were playing a shorthanded team going really deep, I thought was really smart. Right. Um and you know, that's I think even you know, even though there was a nasty Twitter comment um trying to say Sean Stewart stink, uh, I was like sometimes I don't wanna entertain it, but I'm like, yo, are y'all really watching the game? Because from what I've seen from Sean Stewart um, the past couple of games, he's been great energy off the bench. He's made big plays defensively. He's snagged a couple boards, you know. Um, yes, he'll miss a layup every now and then. Yes, he'll maybe fumble a pass, you know, or be a little giddy on defense. But overall, I think he's been a positive player um, in the For minutes sure. he's, he's played. So, you know, he's a it's freshman. not all – yeah. And it's not all about scoring, man. Let's 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 look at basketball beyond just putting the ball in the hoop, man. It's 
it's much larger than that. Um, in the last, yeah. in the last ten games, you want to talk about numbers? In the last ten games that we have played, Sean Stewart has the second best on-off stats of anybody on the team. Yeah. Tough to complain about that, then. I mean, it's a small sample. It's admittedly a small sample. That's the counter argument to that, and I and I agree. But I think that small sample justifies giving him more playing time and letting him play through some mistakes because he has shown he can be a net positive. Yeah. 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 We got we got a question here. Pulse check. I've seen I've seen people or wait until the weight game. Wait until the um, weight game for sure. We got a tough stretch. We got a tough stretch ahead. But this this is the thing though. I even if we do lose this weight game, I don't think we're gonna lose. But it, even if we do lose this weight game, I still think this has been a just a, a great stretch. You know, I, I don't think it's gonna change my opinion of what I think of the ceiling of this team. Um, I just think we'll probably just maybe be running into a bus or you know that uh, a team that's just great at home. You know, um, yeah. Uh, I don't think necessarily that's gonna be the ultimate. Okay, Duke lost, so maybe they're not as good as we thought. I think it's more so if Duke pulls this out, then it's like, okay, you know, we can start creeping back to this is a real championship contender team. Um, because I mean, I'm not gonna devalue going on the road and winning. And what they what what is our record on the road? Seven and two in ACC play. Something like so. something like that. I'd have to look, but yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. I'm not gonna take take away from that, and I think I think this was even though we do have harder teams coming up. In my opinion, this was one of the hardest stretches of the year because you're traveling three road games in a row. Um, but yeah, I think it'll set the momentum for the end of the season. I think we have maybe the hardest stretch going forward, maybe of any ACC team because we have two road games, Wake and NC State. Even though state's not great, they're still dangerous at home, as we know all too well. And then our, we have two home games against the two other best teams in the ACC with Virginia and UNC. Virginia getting blown out the other day, notwithstanding. Uh, are, are, is Virginia up there? They are, are sure still top three in the ACC, yes. Yeah. What's the record? Uh, they've lost five, I think. Yes. Yes, Duke and UNC are at 12 and three. Virginia's at 11 and five. Oh, wow. We're still there. Yeah, they're still there. I They win a lot of games. <laughs> they, sometimes they get blown out because they can't play offense or make jump shots. But they win a lot of games. So, you know, you can't sleep on it. I, I really want to see how we finish the regular season. Uh, you could lose at Wake, and I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a deal breaker either way. But it's more the cumulative effect of what these next five games will look like. That That is where my pulse will really get me excited about title contention or, or otherwise. Mm. Another question here. My girlfriend's parents got me ACC Tony, Tony semifinals tickets. Y'all think Duke makes it that far, or did they waste their money? That's yeah, one game, right? One game. They should they should make it that far. I think that we have shown as as UNC and Virginia have also shown that like we could just lose to a worse team. Like that's that's something that all three of the best teams in the ACC have been capable of this year. But uh, Duke should be there. I, I would I would hold the tickets worst case scenario you sell them who cares that's one that's one tournament game right yeah because we I automatically started one yeah i think that's a good bet um for this team 
Um, but yeah, let's look. Let's look at the, I guess the stretch going forward. We got Wake. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta wrap it up soon, uh, Zion. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and Ryan's computer is at three because for whatever reason he doesn't have a. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. My have a charging cord. No, this man is so unprepared, man. Just it takes three <laughs> takes three weeks off and just like forgets how to how to podcast. Drank too much beer today, and, and that's coming from me. That's saying something. That's saying something. So let's quickly let's quickly take a look at I guess the next the the final stretch. I guess we're in Wake Forest, Louisville, Virginia, no SC State, UNC. What do you think the record is? Uh, four, four, and, one. four and one or three and two. I think those are the possible outcomes that, that seem most likely. Um, yeah. Who the losses to? I, I mean, to, 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 to any of them. Or NC State would be my two, but... Yeah, I'm hedging my bets. Like outside of the Louisville game, like those four other games, I think the odds are we lose 1.5 of those. <laughs> yeah. So, so then it, it then it just depends on probably a bounce of a ball in one of those games, whether we lose one or whether we lose two. Right? It'll be it'll be something like that would be my guess. And so, I mean, if you have us, if you have us going three and two. Then yes, this is on YouTube, Jack. Then do you have us winning the ACC in the regular season? Uh, I'd have to check UNC. I mean, UNC's got a pretty cushy one, assuming that they can beat Virginia on Saturday, which I know is never a full given, especially given the fact that Virginia is usually very good at home. Um, it may come down to that last game, right? Um, do can we beat UNC at home? And I think if we can, at bare minimum, we win a share, even if we have two losses. Like, let's say worst case scenario, we lose at Wake and then we lose at NC State in the trap game, right? Um, and we beat UNC. I, I think we probably still tie for the regular season title there, would be my guess. Oh, okay. What do you think, Ryan? For your yeah, I computer about to die mid-sentence, but uh, I said 4-1. and one. I think we go 4-1 and one with losses in the road. I don't think we lose at home again. I'm not scared of Virginia at home. I'm not scared of Louisville at home, obviously. And uh, I think this team could take care of UNC at home with a better game plan, uh, especially in Cameron. It's different. So uh, I, four and one, I, I think there's a chance this team runs the table, but that you're going to wake on Saturday is big time. Um, and then that NC State game, looking forward to a potent, that, that UNC matchup is always uh, a tough one. So I, one of those two, I have a feeling we're going to lose, but I, I don't, I'd be, it would suck if we dropped two out of this next five. So. I'm the wake it. game is is the hardest one left on the slate. For by sure. a fair in my opinion, yeah, 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 I agree for sure. I agree. I do. I I have us going five and zero if we win on Saturday. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's probably fair. We have presently via Ken Palm a nineteen percent chance of running the table for the rest of the season. So that's mm-hmm. that's not that's not bad. It's no, like not bad. considering the opponents, that's that's pretty good. You know, like, but yeah. we'll we'll see. I think four and one. 3.5, 1.5 is better. You know. We'll see. Torvik we'll says one point dogs. We're never the underdog. That's a, that's what you know. Um, but yeah, before wait, these guys, wait, uh, Ken Palm has Duke one point favorite for what? Oh, it's we're worth. one. Po- oh, Ken Palm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Torvik has dog. Torvik is a little lower on Duke than Ken Palm is. Okay. Except we're, for now, we're, we're nine good. on Torvik and eight on Ken Palm. So it makes sense. And they're probably okay. a little higher on Wake after the last game. Yeah. 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 
But yeah, I I think maybe maybe we're back on Saturday. I think, fellas, the big game. Why not? Y'all ain't doing nothing. We'll we'll be back on Saturday. Y'all ain't doing nothing, bro. Come on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We appreciate y'all for tuning in. Um, The crazy cast is back. Shout out to the field of sixty-eight. Home field. Home field. Go go get your go get your gear. Go get your merch. Crazy is the code. Always the code. Yes. Um, E R A Z I E. You know the vibes. Um, but yeah, we'll catch y'all next time on Saturday. Big win tonight. Go Duke. We'll see y'all. Peace.